BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, it's uh, one of our favorite times of the year when it comes, speaking, of course, for myself and my co-host, John Fraser, as uh, the quote-unquote season of champions or hashtag eight and nation season is upon us mm-hmm. as it's uh, it's been a fun week of the Scotties. Uh, of course, we are going to get into uh, the Grey Cup announcement that TS was made on TSN the other day, and we're going to touch on free agency a little bit too and what the riders have done so far. But uh, we're going to tease a little something else fun that uh, we're going to be doing in a few weeks here. Uh, we're going to connect with a Three Down Nations John Hodge because he's also uh, a big fan of curling. And we're going to do a one-off episode of the hashtag 8 and Nation podcast. Uh, we're not sure if we're going to do that before or after the Briar yet, but uh, we'll figure that out. So, John, um, I would say this week, Scotty's, especially compared to last year, has been interesting. I think there's really only three teams that you knew weren't really that good. And even at the end of the day, there were some teams that didn't make the second round, the championship round, that played pretty well this week. Yeah, no, there has been. I mean, you've got your couple of provinces that, that the programs are still developing from a competitive stance. Uh, pardon me, territories like Nunavut you're looking at. You know, until they get some good juniors, some good developmental, they're not going to be great. You knew that coming in. Quebec, surprisingly, has fallen on his face uh, in terms of a national curling stage in the past few years. But uh Outside of that, you know, you're looking at teams, and we were talking about this off air. You're looking at some teams from some generally have not provinces uh, that surprised, that played well, that played tight. Because I hate turning on my TV and I watch curling more than I think I watch any sport. <laughs> I hate turning it on and seeing like 10 to 2 after the sixth end or something. Just, mm-hmm. just a boring game. There was always something going on. Um, I, I, I think with the new format, Joel. I don't think every game has the same weight to it. No. I think the the preliminary round almost becomes like you go from the high drama of the wild card game, which I love, mm-hmm. one game and you're in. Um, but you do seem to lose something, you know, you, you because you know, even though they curled much better when you're watching, you know, New Brunswick and the territories you kind of know either of those teams is making it out of that pool, right? Well, uh, I, I think this year, especially I think like Andrea Crawford and uh, the territories, like they, they curled well. And, oh, yeah. And, and the, the only thing they didn't have, because Jennifer Jones did not curl well either, the difference between no. them and Jennifer Jones, Jennifer Jones still has the ability to pull some games out of her ass when she's going to lose. Something, oh, certainly. Something those teams, if, if Kerry Galusha and Andrea Crawford's teams had that ability, I 
that they would have made the championship round over Jennifer Jones, but that's just the way the week was. But I, I just, it was just impressive overall to see some of these teams play, like Suzanne Burt's team out of PEI. They played really well this week. Too bad yeah. they didn't make the playoffs. I would have loved to have seen really you know, a lot of new blood in the playoffs this year just for fun. But ultimately, it's going to be an interesting weekend on top of that. Um, as always, good luck, of course, to Robin Silvernagel and Stephanie Lawton playing in the one-two page playoff game against uh, Chelsea Carey. And we also mentioned this off air. I mean, I think Stephanie Lawton, I think this is her fifth Scotties now. And she's made the playoffs, I think, in at least three or four of them. And she's yep. won. She's been in the bronze medal game a couple of times. So back when that was a thing. So all she does is she just she just she just gets there. She doesn't she hasn't won anything there yet, really. But she gets there, and that's impressive. And, and let's talk about one of the sneaky most impressive streaks in sports in Canada coming to an end. Jennifer Jones not making the playoffs for the first time in 14. Like, she's made it the past 14 trips to the Scotties. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's Patriots only, level. Yeah, exactly. It, it's simply outstanding. I mean, and, and it's not like she's coming from a freebie province like an Atlantic province. No. It's not like Brad Gushio in a Newfoundland that Brad Gushio <laughs> is going to make, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. hell, the guys could all get piled the night before, uh, before every game and curl drunk and make it out of Newfoundland every single year. But she had to get out of Manitoba. Mm-hmm. many years when she wasn't the defending champ. 14 in a row not making the play. Like, it's just, it's it's an incredible streak. One of the best, I think, in Canadian sports that I, I don't think anybody realized till today. It's like, oh. Yeah, I, I, didn't, know, I did not know she's that. She's been there literally. I didn't know that that was that, like the streak yeah. that she was on for that even, so. It, it was it, it was quite remarkable. So a hell of a run, hell of a great week of curling. And of course, uh, I think I think just for the sake of me having a lot of terrible takes and terrible picks, <laughs> yeah. because I'm heavily biased because because uh, a couple good friends of mine will be curling in the briar. I feel like we should uh, tee this up for before the briar, so I can be horribly wrong because of my biases. Because I'll just be picking people that I like and I know what I've drank with, <laughs> kind of like us on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good segue. So, uh, John, as we uh, head into the football talk, which is what we're really here for on uh, this podcast this week, uh, what's in the glass? Well, I told you before that there was going to be history made. For the first time in this podcast, I'll be drinking a beer from a brewery that's actually from the city I live in. <laughs> The co-op opened up a new liquor store right by my house. This is fantastic. Maybe 10 blocks, eight blocks up, two blocks over. Boom, I'm at liquor store. Uh, Brought my howler along. And uh, for the first time ever, something from Churchill Brewing here in the city. Uh, Got their IPA. Uh, I would call it more of an entry-level IPA. Uh, Doesn't have the same punch you in the face with hops, the same flavors you generally expect of an IPA. Uh, But if you're somebody that's new to the craft beer scene, um, I would recommend it, which was also funny because Lacey turned to me. She bought a uh, relatively pricey bottle of wine, and she goes, I would feel guilty about this, but then I realized how much money you spend on craft beer, and now <laughs> I don't. Yeah, and that's, that's hey, you get what you pay for. That's that's how I look at it in this business. You can you can look for the lowest legal price, but uh, you're never really going to be sure what's in the bottle there. So, Especially when it gets pulled off the shelves. Exactly, yeah. Um, Google that one. We're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> makes makes Joel too angry. Yes, Google it. Yeah, so uh, for me, I have I made a trip yesterday to uh, one of my favorite breweries in Regina that I don't think I've actually brought on this podcast before. I don't know why, because they're amazing. 
but uh, it's multinational, and I have uh-huh. their uh, little big stout. It's this kind of a, it's a great, straightforward stout, a little roasty, a little toasty, just a just a nice, good beer to uh, sip on while talking about football. If you and if you don't know much about multinational, yeah, they're kind of the mad scientists in town. They rare, they only brew the same beers a few times a year, and they always have different stuff on. They're kind of cool like that. So. If you're into trying new things and you're always looking for something different, uh, Multinational is definitely the place to do it. They're on uh, 15th in Winnipeg, kind of by the hospital there here in Regina. Well, well, and they're the ones that had those uh, – what was the one beer? It was sports, right? It just yes. came in like that purple, almost mystery-like looking can that just said sports on it. Yeah, they contract brewed that one out of district because they have – like Multi right now doesn't have very big facilities – um, they literally uh-huh. they have some canned products at their tap room, but they literally fill it off the tap and put a lid on it. So <laughs> that's 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 kind of their canning facility right now. So they're uh, they uh, they worked with District on that one to brew a big batch of it. And then from what I understand, they're working on a different one. It's not going to be sports again, but there's going to be something in a bigger batch coming from Malty again soon. So that'll be that'll probably make its way up to Saskatoon as well. Just I'm not quite sure yet. That- I haven't locked down exactly what they're brewing with them yet. And, and, and something that should also make its way up to Saskatoon, and this is, I think, now just become a running joke in the podcast, is my beer from our great sponsor, Pile of Bones. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll figure that out eventually. Uh, maybe I'll just keep, you know ta- maybe hey, I'll just keep taking your share. Maybe... <laughs> oh, you know what? You just keep taking my share, and uh, come the 2020 Grey Cup, just make sure I've got enough to make sure I'm good and loaded the whole week. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I do know... I'm going to probably be pitching to a few breweries in town to try to supply the FRC suite that week so we don't have a repeat of Edmonton where we had just two name brands that I'd prefer not to mention. So, Ew. Gross. Yeah. I mean, it was free, but it was still just... Eh. So I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do to try to hook up the FRC, the Football Reporters of Canada, when the Grey Cup is here in Regina in 2020. So yeah, on that yeah. note... So, uh, so now... On that note, if you happen to be living under a rock over the last 24 hours or so, um, the Grey Cup is coming back to Regina. And in what Ooh. turned out to be really a surprise announcement, because um, there was um, our good friend at CBC, Dan Plaster, was talking to me earlier in the week where he said, you know, they should just announce the next two Grey Cups. Because we know, we know, yeah. we know one, we don't know which order it is, but we know which two it's going to be. They might as well just do it now. And then Drew Edwards wrote the piece on Three Down Nation as well that they should do that. And I was like, well, if these two guys who are much smarter about football than me say this, then they should probably do this. And sure enough, the commissioner went on to Sports Center, which I'm still not entirely thrilled about doing in that format per se. But anyway, yeah, uh, went on to Sports Center and uh, made the announcement that yes, uh, Regina will host the 2020 Grey Cup, and Hamilton will finally host their first Grey Cup since 1996. Wow. When they host the 2021 Grey Cup, I thought maybe they would have gone the other way around. But to me, what this says is because it was a bidding process, the Regina bid was far and away the superior bid to Hamilton. So they felt they had to come here first because of that and then go to Hamilton. To me, if you kind of read between the lines, there's probably some things yeah. in the bid that were a little better in Regina than they were in Hamilton, just based on the fan base and all that. Not No offense to Hamilton or anything like that, but... That's that's kind of how I read into that, and uh, it was you know people are excited for it is what it seems like to me. Well, well, and the minute that 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 both teams started organizing 
watch parties that you saw Mm -hmm. and not just watch parties, but watch parties featuring alumni and current players and hell that's fairly central locations. I kind of started getting the feel that either they're going to be brilliant and like Drew and Dan would say announced two at once, or this is going to be a spectacular only in the CFL level screw up. Yeah. where they're going to tell one of the two most rabid fan bases in the CFL, yeah, just kidding. You brought everybody out here. You made your nice little party, but screw you. The, per- um, the perfect heel moment would have been if they had those two watch parties and they announced it's going to Montreal. <laughs> that would have been... I would have loved that. That would have been amazing. <laughs> no, I would have, I would have agreed. And I hope we'll see... The joint disappointment would have prevented riots, but I felt like in either fan base, if you were to go on TSN and and say, oh, it's going to Hamilton, and not mention anything for Saskatchewan, they have to start the bid process over again, I think there would have been riots, and I think there would have been more riots if they announced it was going to Saskatchewan in Hamilton. Like, like Oh, Hamilton, Hamilton would have been furious. I think the Regina would have gotten over it eventually. Hamilton would have been, like, really mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I believe, uh, I don't know what temperature steel melts at, but they would have had to call it Melty Downtown. Um, <laughs> I did kind of have, on the night before on Twitter, and this was actually a point made by, uh, by the infamous fake gainer on Twitter. There was mm-hmm. a picture of Rough Rider legend Peter Dyakowski um, <laughs> in uh, Hamilton posing with the Grey Cup the night mm-hmm. before for the announcement. And that got me thinking again, okay, obviously it is going to Hamilton. Does this mean it's going to two at once? And I thought, maybe I'll tweet that out. And then one of my kids puked on me and I just didn't do it. So <laughs> I almost I almost finally got a hot take right, Joel. But then vomit and poop and stuff stopped it. Well, if you had made that hot take, it would have turned out to be wrong, probably. So, your your, your they, son they might been... your son might have saved you. <laughs> and and actually, maybe the entire city of Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely, and because I mean, I believe the Great Cup lives in Hamilton because the Hall of Fame is there, right? So, it's probably not that hard um, for Peter Diakowski to get a picture with the Great Cup in Hamilton. No, no, that that is true. But it was like out at a bar, and to me, that's just that's that's again not a move one would generally like have the gray cup out in public the night before you do something that's going to cause the city to burn down. Yeah, um, that's fair, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do, I do like though that, that they did go to two rabid fan bases and already the plans are in place. Uh, mm-hmm. I've obviously never been to a Hamilton gray cup uh, considering 96. I was 10 years old and if oh, I ever barely anyone correctly, has been to a Hamilton football gray game. Cup. Yeah, exactly. I remember that may have been one of the first football games I ever watched in my life was that 96 Grey Cup, and I loved it while, I believe, hitting a bucket of TSA, of, uh, pardon me, KFC chicken at my great-grandmother's house in Thunder Bay, or just outside of Thunder Bay. Anyways, random memory that just came back to me. Um, I liked that the teams, I was at the Regina Grey Cup, the last one in 2013. Yep. I, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm, absolutely was. I, I thought having everything everything down at Everaz was a nice touch. You could just mm-hmm. go get your party passes. I know hotels were a bit of a nightmare. We stayed in a smoking room uh, in a hotel that wasn't even at a truck stop. It was a truck stop parking lot. Like you had to go past the Husky gas station to find your hotel. I know, I know the random. exact motel you're talking about because I live like a block from there. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's 
It's a travel lodge now, so it might be nicer. It's a travel lodge now instead of whatever it was before. You know what? I, I'm just gonna come <laughs> out and say it. Can I just like? Can I like just like reserve a spot on your couch, on your floor, in your closet, something here, Joel? Like I'm putting we do, you on the we spot. We do have here. we do have a spare bed. It's got a lot of crap on it, but we do have a spare bed somewhere. <laughs> I I might have to reserve that for crap. I might have to reserve that for Drew or Justin first, though, because they pay me. No, that, that's fair. See, that's why I went, like, <laughs> I can even bring my own queen-size mattress, and, uh, you know, Drew can get, like, the spare bed, and then maybe me and Dunk can spoon. The man looks like he can cuddle. Well, I'm thinking Drew probably will stay with Daryl Davis, because their buddies are a little closer, and then uh, me, you, and Dunk can just have a good old time here. <laughs> good old time, man. Maybe maybe other member of uh, Aiden Nation, maybe we get uh, Haji up here, too, so. Yeah, Haji's usually busy teaching during the Great Cup, so he... Mm. Doesn't fair, tend, he fair. doesn't tend to make the but Great either, Cup. So. Either way, we now have confirmation. I have accommodations for the 2020 Great Cup. Problem solved. Oh, yeah. well. Yeah, we can make it work. And and that is, you know, no Great Cup location is perfect, and that's the thing they have to work on here. And But in, in, in another degree, I kind of feel like it's sort of overblown a little bit. And, yeah. and you know, what I'm about to say, yes, it sucks for fans out of town. But when the Great Cup is in Regina, I feel like, compared to anywhere else in the country, and we'll see maybe Hamilton will be different. It is very much a Saskatchewan Grey Cup when it's here. It's yes. less of a... And, and, and that's fun in some ways, because you know it's going to be a party, you know it's going to be a good time, you know it's going to be all that, but it's less of the national celebration it normally is when it's here, because everyone is so amped mm-hmm. for it that everyone from across the province buys up their tickets and comes. So, yes, there's not as much accommodations, but you really need it when you know the entire city of Saskatoon's coming down anyway. You know? and, and, and and no, actually, you are you are completely right. I, and I think like that may have been like I've been to I've been to three Grey Cups, one in Toronto, one in BC, and the one in Regina. And the thing that they all had had in common, which which worked very well, again, was the um, was the parties all in one location and the transit mm-hmm. service too. I have to yep. say that the city of Regina really stepped up, and I hope they do so again in 2020. Yeah, that's that pretty standard literally... across, I think, a lot of places now. Like, I think Edmonton had free stuff. I know in Ottawa the year before, I my media pass got me on to like any bus all week, basically. So, yeah, it's, I know Winnipeg. That was a big issue they had. They apparently had shuttles running, which nobody could find. Hmm. Which that, is weird because there's only like one road in and out of that city, and you'd think you'd be able to find them. <laughs> well, well, exactly. And, and apparently everything was very spread out. So uh, yeah. I re- I've already read today that Craig Reynolds has come out and said that, yes, everything will all be at one location again. Uh, and Except yeah, probably Spirit this. of Edmonton, but yeah. It, that's because Spirit does their own thing. And, yep. and as a yep, guy that's do. been to many Grey Cups, uh, it is worth the diversion. But even I was impressed with Regina. Um, and this is something that was unique because Spirit will always be at their own place for whatever reason. In, in Vancouver... Mm-hmm. Um, they were right beside the hotel for the, that Travis and I, uh, Travis from the Two and Out podcast, uh, we stayed at together. Mm-hmm. Um, right next door. It was awesome. Regina was the first one I've heard of that, okay, everything was at Everett's place, but you could catch a dedicated shuttle, like a dedicated bus that would take you from Everett's to the Spirit of Edmonton and back. Yeah. It was, it was only at the Orr Center, so it's not like it was really that far away. But it was still, it was minus a, a gajillion. And, oh, yeah, it's um, freezing cold all week. Yeah. And Oh, yeah, and it was just nice to have that little touch of, like, okay, you don't have to, like, most of the Great Cups that I've been to and others I've heard of, you kind of have to make that special trip to get to the spirit of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. 
you know, for, again, a huge amount of reasons that they're out on their own and stuff like that. You you can do the research. It was just nice to say, okay, you know what? We know you want to go there. We know you're going to go there. Mm -hmm. We'll make it easy. And I hope they do the same thing again. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. It's going to be, as you mentioned, it's going to be very Saskatchewan Grey Cup. I think everything is, is if they basically take the game plan from 2013, tweak it a little bit, whether the riders are in it or not, it's going to be a great festival. And I, for one, as a guy that uh, can't really travel as much as I used to the Grey Cups, really looking forward to it. And uh, and yep. now I have already confirmed my accommodations at some <laughs> floor space at Jules' house. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know I, I did Grey Cup in Edmonton this year and it was fun. Um, I've done the one here. I did 2013 here. I did Ottawa last year, and I've done I did BC in 2014. And they're all fun in their own different way. You know, you love Grey Cup week. Um, I will. This will be my hot take of the week. I think the team parties are overrated. Really? I really don't think they're that great. And maybe it's because I'm, you know, begres- be, you know, a disgruntled media guy or something. But <laughs> <laughs> I just, I go there. I'm like, okay, yeah, here we are at an open space again with a band with, you know, shitty beer. And there's nothing really that inspiring about any of them as far as I'm concerned. Some of them have like the odd, like Ottawa last year was kind of fun. They had like a bunch of different like games set up that you could play. And I think yeah. DC when they were here had that as well. And but for the yeah. most part, it's like, okay, we're in open space. There's people dancing. There's music. There's lame beer. Cool. I guess. I don't know. See, see and, and, and I, I'm going to counter that hot take. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think the key is, is to do your, mid-afternoon to post-supper drinking at the team parties because generally that's when you have more like you set up a team party and, and, and most are getting on board with games and stuff like that and you'll see the, the the cheerleaders from all the various teams come through and do their thing and the pep bands and and you'll yeah. just it seems like there is more action because i'm very much with you um for the most part at the night of the team parties it's like oh okay whatever um but during the day you do have the chance the mascots are out the the cheerleaders are out from all the teams you have you know pep bands it's it's, it's a lot of energy it's really cool it's a good way to get day drunk um which i'm so was the frc suite by the way so oh yeah i know i, can't, <laughs> I cannot wait you give me free alcohol especially if it's going to be sponsored by some of the local breweries I am not going to leave that place except to go back to your house and pass out on your floor, couch, in bed with Justin Dunk, whatever happens. Um, I, I will say, yeah, the team parties and, and, and Ryderville, I think, no matter where you go, because I have found that Ryderville consistently does a good job of, of pulling some acts you've heard of. Yeah. If you're into that, I'm, might... I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not really in that scene in general. Like, I'm not a big music guy, so, like, a band isn't going to draw me into a party. Right. You know? it, it, and it has for me in the past. I mean, only because it's it's about 10 o'clock at night. You're completely pie-eyed. And I would never generally, like, if you said, do you want to go watch Chilliwack right now? I would generally be like, I'm good. I would rather stay in my sweatpants and record this podcast. But you tell me at 10 o'clock at night, after I've been day drinking the whole day, to go ahead and say, hey, John, you got a rider, Phil? Chilliwack's play. Woo! Well, here's here's the thing about here's the thing about that hypothetical story, Um, because it's funny at every Grey Cup we travel to. um, When I go to Grey Cup on the road, I tend to spend a lot of time with my uh, former coworker and good friend Jamie Nye. Um, Yes, because well, I mean we have we we have history together and everything, and we always we are always the last people to want to go to Ryderville. 
because really, it, yeah, and it's funny. So like the Calgary guys love going to Stamps House. Some of the, you know the Bomber guys feel like they need to make an appearance to touchdown Manitoba or whatever. And then yeah. Nye and I are like Ryderville. No oh, thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like all these media from across the country seem interested in going to their parties, and we're just like, no, we're good. <laughs> I, I can I can just your no thanks. I knowing Jamie and I, I just picture Nye like no. We're thanks. like no, we go in there and we get looks because we don't kiss the ring every chance we get. So <laughs> no, no, that's fair. I would probably get from all my terrible hot takes. I'd probably be ushered out, but especially because I'll likely be wearing a Ryan Dinwiddie Bombers jersey. So there's that too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess there's a chance that Ryan Dinwiddie maybe. Could find a job in the CFL as the Riders might still be looking for a backup quarterback. Who knows? As uh, free agency, I know that was a horrible transition because it's not actually going to happen. But um, I yes. liked it. Hey, anytime we can drop a, a double Ryan Dinwiddie reference in an episode, Joel, we are doing well. Yeah. So free agency came, opened, and uh, it kind of. We're going to get into it in a second because a lot of people thought the Riders didn't do a lot off this top. I would entirely disagree based on one move alone, but. People really got talking when the move was made to re-sign Zach Caleros, and I was one of them at first. I was like, wow, like my eyebrows raised. I was like, really? On day one, you went back to that well already? Yeah. Um, but then I thought about it for a night, and then I wrote the piece for 3 Down Nation, where I made the case for that this move at the end of the day actually made sense. Because as I laid it out, I felt after you didn't get Mike Riley, which was never going to mm-hmm. happen, you didn't get Bo Levi Mitchell, who, if you listened back to last week, I said the Riders had a better chance of getting than Trevor Harris, and they did. And they didn't get I was Trevor. Wrong again. And they got didn't and they didn't get Trevor Harris. Yeah. So you don't get those three guys. And I think we touched on this a little bit last week before free agency really opened. Out of all the other quarterbacks after that, this is the point I made. Is any of them really all that different than the other? Is one that you would say is heads and shoulders better than the others? Maybe um... Travis Lule, but he's older and just as injury prone. Yeah, and, and and that is that was exactly going to be my answer. I would say that I would have taken. You're right. I, I think Lule stands above the rest, but just from a pure talent perspective, perspective, he stands above the rest. But when we're talking about the fact that you know he's basically, you could look at him the wrong way and his arm could yeah. fall off. Um, yeah, I. I, I... So so if, they're, if if they're all basically the same, you basically yeah you go out and you get the guy who already knows the system, and. Maybe, even if he's at the same level of pay as last year, I'm going to assume he's not. I heard on the Three Down Nation podcast that Dunk does have the numbers, so those are probably coming soon. I'm probably going to be proven wrong. But <laughs> like, even if they're the same, they're, you're saving $300,000 compared to the other guys. Um, yeah. So that's money you can use to get, as I said, support around him and behind him. Whereas I would think his deal would be it's probably less, like, quote-unquote, guaranteed money and more bonus money that probably brings him up to what he was making if things go well. Um, yeah, that would make sense to me. So I, I think there's an argument to be made. Yes, it's not the ideal situation, and given you know that they missed out on the big three, and it, you know, kind of it felt awkward at the moment in time. Um, but there there is a method to the madness if Jeremy O'Day can follow it up well and build a better team around Zach Caleros. Then okay, yeah, they're still not going to light the world on fire on offense, but it can't be worse. <laughs> no, no, you're well. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, right now, right now with Caleros, who I'm with you. I agree with you. Uh, the guy knows the system. I don't think he's going to regress from last year, but he is injury prone, mm-hmm. which oh, means sure. the fate of the fate of the Riders 
in perhaps a West division that is looking more stacked than ever before, which is scary to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a hit away from Cody Fajardo being your starting quarterback right now. If they're done or, going after guys. Well, that's exactly it. And, and that's why I think something else needs to be done. But the thing that worries me, and again, this is maybe me reading some tea leaves, reading into this, that, uh, uh, I, I, I just, uh, they went out and basically Craig Reynolds has said, uh, or everybody said, yeah, Zach's the guy. Zach's our starting quarterback, which I get it. You're building confidence in him. Mm-hmm. But on the same note, you can't be serious that you're going to go into training camp with any kind of Grey Cup aspirations with a Grey Cup caliber defense with your backup plan being Cody Fajardo. Now, I get it. There's unproven pivots i would say the backups across the west division are largely unproven at this point uh with the exception of, of chris strebler who was proven he could win some games in winnipeg but uh, it, uh, i i hope i hope and i think what this team needs most is travis lule is yeah. ricky ray is a guy to come out and, and push not only push caleros but to also <laughs> be there because because to me Caleros against Lule Lule starting nine times out of ten barring injury right I just uh I I I think if they're done and they're declaring Zach the guy a guy that's so much so has has had so many injuries in his career you were setting up a recipe for disaster no matter how damn good that defense is that you're just not going to win football games with Cody Fajardo as your starting quarterback we have question marks about them winning football games with Zach Caleros as their starting quarterback. They're screwed. If, oh, that, if, yeah. if, that's entirely, if that's entirely yeah. fair. That's entirely fair. Like I'm not, I'm not coming out here and saying that this is the greatest move in the history of all time. I just, I just but think, it's not a terrible there, move. It's not a terrible. Like there is a method to this that makes sense. It yeah, just what ha- what needs to happen is some other pieces need to fall into place. Whether that's you know allowing you to beef up the O line so Caleros doesn't take that hit. Or it's adding receivers so he actually has someone to pass to, or it's getting the right guy behind him. So yeah, there's other pieces that have to make this to that have to fall into place for this to be ultimately a really smart decision. The good news is yes, it's only a one year deal, and they're, if it fails, they're back to the drawing board. They're basically back to where they were this year, the next year. So yes. there's nothing really lost by trying this. And I don't I don't know if there's anything to read into this either. But Zach Caleros, at his, I guess, reintroductory news conference, felt like a different Zach Caleros than he did last year. He seemed a little more relaxed, a little more personable, a little more I'm actually happy to be here than he was last year. Like, I never got the vibe last year that Caleros was happy, that he was like, he's glad that he's here and everything. And maybe he saw the writing on the wall and no one else wanted him, so now he's happy to be here. I don't know. But it it felt felt very different. It felt different. Well, and I, I like some of the early bravado. Um, I'm not sure who to attribute the quote to. I just saw it scrolling through Instagram today. But the bravado of him saying, yeah, I'm gambling on myself. And oh, It's a very Darian Durant thing to say as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to gamble on myself. I'm a gambler. It'll work out fine. Like, it's just, yeah. it's very, you're right. That is not something we saw from Zach Caleros last year. For him to come out and basically say, yeah, I know I'm betting on myself and I'm going to win. Like it, yeah. it's it's. Yeah, I, I love that confidence. I love that confidence, frankly. Oh, I love it. I just I a I hate boring sports quotes, and <laughs> b I love it when guys actually come out and say, 
what they're thinking. He's he's thinking, yeah, you know what? I got the tools. I wasn't the best last year. I'm going to come out and prove everybody wrong. And and there is something cool about that. Like, yeah, and, and it like, does it does seem like and. I don't know, maybe things weren't quite right with Chris Jones and him last year, but it seems like he really likes Craig Dickinson, and that was a big reason why he wanted to come back. Which, which, yeah, which is it, which, And Craig Dickinson's a very different coach, and maybe there is a slight tweak to the offense that he sees that's going to help him this year. Who knows, right? Well, well and, and, and let's face it. I know a lot of it is from guys who have departed, and, and maybe you're reading into comments from, from, from too much. I, I don't think Chris Jones was a player's coach. He was a player's uh, coach to the guys that bowed down to him. It, it, exactly. The ones that looked at him as the demigod he thinks he is. Um, he got along with those guys. But it's just, yeah. you know, little parting shots. Like, like again, Calero seeming more within himself and wanting to come. Specifically mentioning in your reintroductory press conference that you want to play for the new coach. Yeah. And some of the things that uh, Javon Johnson said on his way out. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the whole called Deron Carter a head case, and I know most people will. I, it's just the way he was handled, and and yeah. maybe you're starting to see, okay, maybe a breath of fresh air in a different direction will be the way to go. Again, I'm not saying it's all. Uh, again, the season's screwed if Zach Caleros is the only option and he of goes course, yeah. down. Yep. I I still think they need a backup, but but maybe there's not as much doom and gloom. Um, and I don't think the Riders did as poorly in free agency by any means. I, I no, think all of them can't play. Till... No, I, and and you and I were talking about this off air, and I'll let you take the floor. Mm-hmm. The signing of Johnson is huge. Yeah. So, yeah, they they signed Mika Johnson, and this was a guy that I think they I had a, like on a free agency list probably every year for the last number of years, saying this is the guy the Riders need to target because. And I preface this by saying. You know, I've been on the record. I love Willie Jefferson. He is my man crush freak of the CFL because of how insanely athletic and good he is. Give me that guy who can dominate the middle and push up the middle 100 times out of 100 over a freak athletic defensive end. Sorry. That's just the way it is in football. And like like, for the longest time, the Riders struggled to find a pass rusher when they replaced John Chick with John Chick. During that, you know that that street that stretch that stretch. Um, I still love that. That might be one of my favorite lines you've ever dropped. And you know, since they you know gave up Keith Shulligan at that time, he was at his peak and the expansion draft to Ottawa. They've really kind of been looking for that guy in the middle still. And Mikael Brooks played well last year. He was good in stopping the run, but he didn't really give you that push. Yeah. And Mika Johnson's that guy. This guy, at yeah. least, he's probably for at least another year. We'll see how much he has left in the tank, really. Because this is Calgary again, right? So you never yeah. know. He's probably got at least a year, maybe two left in him at least. And the guy's a beast in the middle. And especially defensively, your games are one up the middle. If you can get that push yeah. from the middle, I guarantee you, hot take, that AC Leonard on the other end is going to have a big year. I'm not concerned yes. about dropping from Willie Jefferson to AC Leonard if they can consistently get that really strong push up the middle from Mika Johnson. And with Mika Johnson there, that'll help Zach Evans immensely as well. Yeah, and, and you're right. Like like Willie Jefferson is is an absolute freak, and the things the things you can do schematically with Willie Jefferson compared to Mika Johnson are nowhere near the same. But I'm with you. I'm with you that you need that traditional push up the middle. And the funny thing is, is I think the overreaction by a lot of Ryder fans is is Johnson's stats are are good. 
he had a lot of sacks last year for a defensive tackle, like a ton. Well, that's that's ex- <laughs> that's exactly it. Like a, a scary number of ta- sacks for a defensive tackle. Uh, but I think you know you see people are looking at this, and I don't want to hammer on people's football knowledge because if you're watching Lord knows football, you you're listening. None. Exactly. I have very little. <laughs> I do. I'll be the first to admit. I know. Listen, when we do 8N Nation, I'm going to sound like a completely different, competent broadcaster uh, when we're doing 8N Nation. Because curling, I know inside and out. Um, I think you look at Mika Johnson's stats. They're good. They're very good. But they don't make – they don't pop like Willie Jefferson's. And I think that's why a lot of Ryder fans are going – Oh, geez, we lost free agency, you know, and there are still some holes to fill, mm-hmm. specifically at linebacker. But you and I were talking, you know, again, off air that today and I, Sam McGuavin is going to be very hard to replace. I don't know yep. if there's a free agent out there with CFL experience no. that can replace him. Probably can not, you no. always find a freakishly athletic bit of linebacker from the States? Yeah, I'm sure you can again. But the name that came out there. Was, that's up for trade, apparently, Solomon Elamimian. Mm-hmm. And then you and I started joking about how trades in the CFL seem to work because it's not like the trade deadline in the NHL where you have no. an established pool of prospects and draft picks and everything. That next thing you know, Solomon's going to go for a fifth-round pick and a preloaded Tim's card or something, right? Yeah, yeah because um, and I, this is how it was explained to me by, you know, I think it's by some general managers and people in this league is, you know, we as Canadians, we kind of look at trades and we look at the other big four and it's always like these guys are traded for first round picks and prospects and all that. But realistically, in the CFL, your trade pool isn't that big. So you put right. a guy like Solomon Alamimian on the market, you know, you're lucky if you get maybe two teams interested. Like there just isn't yeah. because of the way their teams are structured and the salary cap and the whole thing. Even though he's a great talent, there just isn't the market to make a trade where you would see Solomon Alamimian go for, say, a first round pick and a guy off your practice right. roster who's pretty good. That's just, there, there just yeah. isn't there just isn't the market to do that in the CFL. So that's why it often looks like, unless you're the Montreal Alouettes trading quarterbacks for first round picks, right? You're trading guys for nothing. Essentially, is what it looks like, no, relatively and, and, speaking. Yeah, and no, you're absolutely right. And I think, I think too, um, he is a guy though that the riders are targeted, especially if the asking mm-hmm. price is not is not going to be too much. But you mentioned the uh, the salary cap, and this all goes back to our quarterbacks discussion. And you know, it, it, it's almost starting to remind me the situation starting to look like when when the Bombers had Darian Durant take the bonus and and run and, and retire on them. Mm-hmm. And that allowed them to get Adam Big Hill. Perhaps this swing and a miss on Bo Levi Mitchell, Trevor Harris, Mike Riley will lead to a situation where the Riders can say, okay, we just won roll up. We got $100 on a Tim card, and we'll give you a fourth-round pick. <laughs> yeah. I, you I, know, like, and, I, think and, he, I think he's a guy they should be interested in for sure, especially if now, you know, you're probably you, – maybe you don't necessarily you want to win this year, but you definitely need to be a good team next year. So you don't go all. They're not going to go all in like they did in 2013 to win in 2020. It's not quite the same, you know, stars aligning for because there's going to be other Grey Cups in the Mosaic Stadium. So it's not. This isn't the farewell yeah. or anything like that. So yeah, they probably. But you still want to be a good team in your Grey Cup years. So yeah, I, I think you 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 make that road run for a couple of years and you put you know then you all of a sudden if you have Mika Johnson at defensive tackle and you have. Um, Alamunian at, I can never say his name properly sometimes, at uh, middle <laughs> linebacker. And I still can't believe I'm saying this. You have Mike Adam at safety, and you're looking pretty good up the middle. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you absolutely are. And then you've got 
uh, you've got now two years to figure out your quarterbacking situation to hopefully be relevant uh, enough to at least be in contention for that 2020 Grey Cup game. So, I and another another name I like, but I'm a little worried only because of history repeating itself. The Riders pick up Manny Arsenault. Yeah. I just look at the way that what happened with G. Roy Simon, he came in, and I get it, he had the spectacular Grey Cup game. But he was kind of a non-factor. Oh, all year, I remember all year season. the fans were calling in, you know, why aren't they using G. Roy? What's up with G. Roy? Why aren't they throwing the G. Roy, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it just like he was not like, it was like he was a season-long decoy. I mean, that that, yeah. that was kind of, and, uh, and, I had to laugh And more. at the time, in fairness to... I don't think Zach Laros is quite this way because he can't be because the Riders don't really have a set, set of receivers he's been with forever. But, I mean, Darian Durant is very known for having his favorites that he liked to throw to. It was yeah. difficult to be a new receiver with Darian Durant right away. Like, it, yeah. it takes it takes almost like a year for Durant to trust you, even if you're G. Roy Simon. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and I'm worried that, you know, the Manny show is going to miss a good chunk of the season. And he's coming off of injury, and the last time the Riders got a, a, a an established veteran receiver from BC, it I guess worked out in the grand scheme of things. But I just I think that they do need um, they still need they another they need, need still need another playmaker for sure. Oh, one hundred percent they do. One hundred percent they do to become a relevant a relevant factor, and maybe they're hoping they can develop that, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now to me that's still a, that's still a large gap. Like like Manny's nice, Manny's a, a nice signing. I, th- I think it's worth the flyer. It's worth taking the flyer and seeing if the guy comes 100%. in halfway through the year and provides a spark for the offense. I, th- I think it's I think it's worth the flyer. It's worth the look for sure. They still need another guy. Oh yeah, I no, I'm not they, disagreeing. They, they absolutely still need another guy, and that to me, I think defensively, especially if you can go out and 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 either add or, or find a middle linebacker you know, American middle linebacker. I think free agency will be a success. I would actually rate it a success for the riders, mm-hmm. but uh, I do think to be, to rate it a success, I do think you need to go out and get a receiver. Like it's just, it, that seems to be a lacking position and nobody, nobody, nobody there scares me in a game. You have Naaman Roosevelt who's, who's back. That's great. Possession receiver. But there's nobody they can stretch the field and even give Calaris the option to go deep. No, that's fair. That's entirely fair. And you know, I, they can. I still think you can probably find that guy in the states. It's not impossible. Um, because I, I made the point the day, the first day of free agency, and I still think even the CFL, where it's a small league, it runs true. Well, we will see. You know, BC is going to be tested with that this year. So is Edmonton. You don't win championships in free agency. You just don't. You, you, you add no. some pieces that complement what you have, sure, but your core and everything needs to be in place already before they do that. If you're building a core in free agency, I don't care who you are, even if people talk about the New York Yankees buying World Series all those years, they still had Jorge Posada and Derek Jeter and all and these Marion Andy, Rivera. Marion Rivera, Andy Pettit, you know, all these guys, if they developed themselves, they were the core, and then they just complemented around them. That's still the way it works to this day. That's why I'm, for some reason, despite everything going on in the West right now, I'm still pretty high on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because their guys were in place. They didn't have mm-hmm. to go out and buy a team. They just added a Willie Jefferson, which I think is going to complement that defense incredibly this year. So mm-hmm. even though they have you know, maybe the fourth-worst quarterback in the, league, in the division now, they're still, in my mind, they're still right up there because... Everything was there and already in place. So if you're a Ryder fan freaking out that they haven't signed 800 million free agents, 
Relax. <laughs> you don't win championships in free agency. It's just not the way it is in sports. Unless it's 2013 where you literally spend all of the money, cap be damned, future be damned, and sign literally all of the bodies. Well, they did still have the core in place, though, that they complemented with these pieces, right? True. You had Brennan well, Labatt, they... you had Dominic Picard, you had Chris Best, you had Darian Durant, you had Wesson Dressler, you had Corey Sheets, you had you know Keith Shulligan, you had Tyron Brackenridge, you had Craig Butler. You had these guys in place, they just filled in the gaps around them. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. And I almost wonder if, if now knowing 2020 is coming here, and as you said, I don't see the riders going all out like they did that year. No, they won't. Is the, I almost think this year it's more important to once again make the playoffs, mm-hmm. once again be in contention, but more importantly identify your core for 2020 and spend some of that money that all the fans are going to spend on disappointing subpar beer <laughs> at the team parties to go ahead and build yourself a team. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. And that's basically what 2012 was to 2013, right? They took a yeah. team in 11 that was garbage. They yeah. blew it up, they rebuilt it, and they figured out what they were. Like, they they, they, don't, they were a below 500 team that year and made the playoffs, right? Like yeah, they weren't they great. Were. They weren't great in the grand scheme of things, but it helped them figure out what to do the next year. And that's, that's where they should be at again, no doubt. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. And on that note... Uh, I think for once nope. I have nothing to say as uh, we so stop recording. No, no, no witty cold out, no nothing, no cutting up. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.